This is Movies on TV Podcast Industries, and we're back with our spoiler-filled discussion of Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. And I miss you so much. And maybe, maybe if you, if you open yourself up to it, there's a possibility. I don't think so, Quinn. Quill. Quill. I don't think so. Well, what I'm trying to say is... Peter, you know this is an open line, right? What? We're listening to everything you're saying. And it is painful. And you're just telling me now? We were hoping it would stop on its own. But I switched it over to private. What color button did you push? Blue, for the blue suit. Oh, no. Blue is the open line for everyone. Orange is for blue. What? Black is for orange. Yellow is for green. Green is for red. And red is for yellow. No, yellow is for yellow. Green is for red. Red is for green. I don't think so. Try it then. You're right. Welcome back, fellow defenders and jub jubs, I guess. Or jib jibs. Jib jibs, maybe jib jibs. But it sounded a little ewoky to me. It did, it did. <laughs> uh, we're back on TV Podcast Industries with our movies podcast back in the MCU, in the cinema once again, uh, talking about the 33rd movie in the MCU. Wow. James Gunn's final Guardians movie, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello there, fellow defenders. I am one of your other hosts, John. We've been on a bit of a break, as you uh, probably are aware. Um, we've been away on holidays, myself and John. Uh, we have returned to the cinema as our first uh, our first podcast after being away for two and a half weeks. And of course, unfortunately, that means we've chosen a date that Chris can't join us for our podcast. So we don't have all three of us here for this one. Uh, it's Chris's anniversary today. So very happy anniversary to Chris. Absolutely. Yeah. Happy anniversary, Chris. But we are going to work around them. Myself and John are going to record our thoughts on the podcast. And we're going to introduce a little Chris's Corner, uh, where he'll give us his thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 as well. Excellent stuff. Yeah, so we'll pause for that later on in our podcast. But it's just me and John back for our holidays, all sunned and tanned and relaxed to discuss the uh, the brand new movie from uh, from Marvel. Yes, I don't know whether my brain it was able for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume <laughs> Three. It was still really? in just kind of relaxed mode, uh-huh. sort of expecting someone to sort of put a margarita in my mm. hand, kind of thing. Yep, um, that was a really good benefit of being. But a it was a great movie. I, I well, I loved it. Excellent. Good stuff. Spoiler. Preview of your thoughts. Uh, But of course, as John mentioned there, this is our spoiler-filled discussion. So if you haven't seen the movie, go out and see it. uh, Watch it and uh, and you can hear our thoughts uh, after you finish watching it. Uh, If you haven't subscribed to the podcast as well, you can subscribe to that by going to our brand new website, tvpodcastindustries.com. Pop on there and we have subscription options for all of our shows, including our movies-only podcast and our main podcast, TV Podcast Industries, where you'll get access to everything that we're covering. Uh, But it's been a little while since we've been in the MCU. Uh, we did cover Ant-Man and the Wasp uh, Quantum Mania earlier on this year. And then before that, I think the last thing we covered was Guardians of the Galaxy, the, the holiday special yes. from last year. So uh, not that long uh, since uh, we discussed Guard- the Guardians of the Galaxy, though. No, not at all. But uh, much uh, preferred getting a full installment of Guardians of the Galaxy Definitely. with Volume 3 here. 
uh, rather than as such the uh, holiday special. Yeah. Which I guess served to introduce a swall Groot. It did. That becomes even swaller yes. uh, by the end. Yeah. And I think he's been called King Groot, at the version that we see at the end of the movie. Maybe. I, yeah. yeah. Or, or Monster Groot or <laughs> Hulk-like Groot. Yeah. yeah. Um, for sure. Uh, but, yeah, that as well as ultimately just the fact that Nowhere is their base of operations. Yeah, it's the new home. Yes, yeah, yeah that was uh, the uh, first introduced in uh, in the holiday special. And interestingly, James Gunn said he was in talks for the first Guardians of the Galaxy ten years ago last week. Wow, isn't it amazing to think how long it's been that this this series of Guardians of the Galaxy has been since its first inception to the end of this trilogy? It's ten years on from that first discussion that James Gunn had. Loads of things have happened at the time, and an interesting entry for Guardians of the Galaxy. It's the longest time from one episode to the next episode it's been six years yeah exactly it's been six years from guardians of the galaxy volume two to guardians of the galaxy volume three we thought dr strange uh, multiverse of madness was long a long period of time in between the two i think that was five years and ten months guardians of the galaxy volume three is six years since the last one so it only just beat it out but that is interesting i know we've had a lot of the guardians in uh, in the other movies in the mcu and uh, the avengers movies we've seen them and of course in the guardians of the galaxy uh, holiday special reintroducing them again but uh, quite a long time since that last movie yeah absolutely but i guess all that cameoing that they're doing um sort of doesn't make it feel quite as long um same for dr strange as well exactly exactly good stuff well let's get into our discussion of the guardians of the galaxy volume three yes derek what are some of the movie details there's not very many movie details to give out in this one. Uh, the, the movie, of course, is written and directed by James Gunn, who was the writer and director of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 and 2. Of course, Slither, The Suicide Squad, his TV show Peacemaker, and of course, the Dawn of the Dead remake as well. Um, so lots of great movies from James Gunn in the past. Yes, and soon to move on to DC yeah, to yeah. create their world new yeah absolutely heading up the uh the dc movies um and i think i would say they're in pretty good hands um it, it I, I hope that they won't just give it all a james gunn sheen and everything will look like a james gunn movie because he has a great style but i can't imagine an entire universe based on that um but but yeah it, it, they're in good hands he's, he knows he knows what he wants to do anyway he definitely has, he's got a good vision so that'll be really interesting uh for this movie of course the cast uh overall we have uh bradley cooper back as rocket raccoon we have karen gillen back as nebula dave batista drax the destroyer uh palm clementif back again as mantis sean gunn playing Kragnan. we have the introduction of the high evolutionary played by chikwudi wuji uh who was a main star in the, in the Peacemaker TV series as well. Yes. Of course, again, we have Chris Pratt playing Peter Quill, Star-Lord. Cosmo the Dog, of course, played by Maria Baklova, who we saw in uh, in the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Uh, Will Poulter coming in and making his MCU debut as Adam Warlock. Excellent. Nathan Fillion in getting a bigger role in this movie, this time playing the, uh, the character Master Karja. Uh, Nathan Fillion has had... Um, guest roles in each of the movies because he's worked very well with uh, with James Gunn over the years. So he has had little guest moments in previous ones, but this is the first time you've really seen him on screen. So uh, great to have him in here. Of course, Vin Diesel, I am Groot, back uh, once again. And he gets an additional line in this movie as well. He does, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I guess he's been listening and learning uh, some new words. Well, we'll talk about that later on when we get to that uh, that final moment of uh, of the movie. Uh, but of course, we will call out one cameo that's in the movie because James Gunn said he would never make a Guardians movie without this actor. 
Michael Rooker does get his moment as Yondu once again. Yes. In a very cool little moment. So uh, good stuff. Those are the details for the movie. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? Sure. At their new headquarters on Nowhere, the Guardians of the Galaxy are attacked by Adam Warlock, a sovereign warrior created by their high priestess Aisha. After Adam overpowers them and seriously wounds Rocket, he is stabbed by Nebula and forced to flee. The Guardians are unable to tend to Rocket's wounds due to a kill switch made by the company Orgocorp embedded within him. To save their friend, the Guardians travel to Orgocorp's headquarters to find the override code. As Rocket lies unconscious, he recalls his past as a baby raccoon. He was experimented on by the High Evolutionary, a scientist who sought to enhance animal life forms into anthropomorphic species to create a perfect counter-Earth. Rocket befriends the other test subjects, an otter called Lila, the walrus Teeths, and the rabbit named Floor. Of all these test subjects, the High Evolutionary was most impressed by Rocket's intelligence, but furious when it exceeded his own. Perfecting the anthropomorphization process, with Rocket's advice, he orders Rocket's brain to be extracted and his friends incinerated. Rocket, realising he and his friends were not part of the High Evolutionary's perfect world, frees himself and his friends. But Lila, Teefs, and Floor are killed in the escape by the High Evolutionary. Rocket, enraged, mauls the High Evolutionary and shoots his guards as he makes his solitary escape in a spaceship. Back in the present, the alternate version of Gamora, who has joined the Ravagers, helps the Guardians infiltrate Orgocorp, which is owned by the High Evolutionary. They retrieve Rocket's file, but discover that the code has been removed. The group speculates that Thiel, one of the High Evolutionary's recorders, has it, so they depart for Counter-Earth. They are followed by Aisha and Adam Warlock, who are ordered by their creator to retrieve Rocket for his brain. Upon arriving on Counter-Earth, the team is helped by the residents in tracing Thiel to the High Evolutionary's ship. Drax and Mantis remain with Gamora and Rocket, as Peter, Quill, Groot and Nebula travel to the ship. Nebula is forced to wait outside by guards as Quill and Groot board. Drax and Mantis chase after Quill's group. The High Evolutionary initiates a destruction and planned recreation of Counter-Earth after being disappointed with his latest version of Perfection, and kills all life on the planet, including the Sovereign's High Priestess Aisha. As his ship enters orbit... Quill and Groot leap off with Thiel, retrieving the code from him. Gamora arrives with their ship to rescue them, while Nebula, Mantis and Drax have boarded the ship to rescue the now-absent Quill and Groot. As Quill's group attempts to access the code, Rocket flatlines and has a near-death experience, where he sees Lila, Teefs and Floor. Lila tells him that his time has not yet come, as Quill uses the code to disable the kill switch and save Rocket's life. Back on the ship, Nebula, Mantis and Drax come across hundreds of imprisoned humanoid children who are there captured to become part of the High Evolutionary's new perfected counter-Earth. Meanwhile, Quill's group sets out to rescue the three who are placed in a chamber with monstrous abelisks. Mantis befriends the Abelisks, allowing the group to escape and reunite with Quill's group, together overpowering the High Evolutionary's army. 
Kraglin and Cosmo arrive on Nowhere, and Cosmo creates a telekinetic tunnel connecting Nowhere to the high evolutionary ship to free the captured children. Rocket discovers imprisoned animals on the ship as well, before being attacked by the high evolutionary. The rest of the Guardians help subdue him, leaving him to perish on his ship. The Guardians rescue the animals and lead them aboard Nowhere. Quill nearly dies trying to cross over, but is saved by Adam Warlock, who has become an ally after being saved by Groot. In the aftermath, Quill leaves the Guardians, bestowing the captaincy to Rocket before leaving for Earth to reunite with his grandfather, Jason. Mantis embarks on a new journey of self-discovery with the Abelisks. Gamora reunites with the Ravagers, and Nebula and Drax remain on Nowhere to raise the rescued children. In a mid credit scene, the new Guardians, consisting of Rocket, a fully grown Groot, Cosmo, Kraglin, Adam, Philavel, one of the rescued children, and Adam's pet, Blurp, take on a new mission. In a post credit scene, Quill eats breakfast with his grandfather, Jason. The legendary Star-Lord will return. <laughs> Eating cereal. Yes, exactly. And mowing the mowing other people's lawns, yes. Uh, and we will, again, talk about all of these uh, as we go through our spoiler-filled discussion. Grace, stops us there, John. Why, thank you. Although I wish, it w- I wish the, the bad guy of this piece wasn't called the High Evolutionary. Yeah, it'd be nice if his name was Fred or something, yeah. so you could just say that. Or High Ev. <laughs> Eve. He- Eve. Eve, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good stuff. Let's get into our top five points of discussion. What we normally do is pick out some major points, major moments uh, from the movie and discuss them uh, and our thoughts on them. Yeah, yeah. I think we're going to start on Nowhere where the movie begins and the attack of Adam Warlock. But the opening of the movie, really, a somber kind of opening for the movie, given that we had two movies in a row that started off with big action sequences and lots of fun, excitement from the Guardians. Here we have... Radiohead. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Radiohead. Who I love, but certainly, um, yes, it was fairly downbeat. Um, none of the the rip roaring tunes like you would associate with um with Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Although we do get to see that we're moving into the era of sort of late nineties two thousands. Yeah, uh, in terms of music as well. Yes, that's because they've moved from uh, from Peter Quill's mom's. Uh tapes from the 70s and moved on to a Zune uh, that Craglin found from uh, yes. in, in Volume 2. So a Zune filled with music all the way up to the 2000s. So a little bit more contemporary, but still 25 years Well, old. that's true. Um, but I like the choice here again of, of Creep, the acoustic version of it, uh, which I think was a B-side to uh, Fight Plastic Trees back in the mid-90s, if I remember my uh, my radio head correctly. Uh, so it has been around for a very long time. It is still a 90s tune, but interestingly they didn't even choose the big electronic version of Creep, which is a big power Powerful tune. They chose Tom York's uh, acoustic version. So, uh, so a very somber start to this movie, all about um, Rocket and, and well, why absolutely. he is the person he is. And it is Rocket who is uh, listening to it. I mm-hmm. love the fact that he's singing along with to it as well. That there's that aspect. Um, and of course, here we see Peter Quill drunk, really mm-hmm. non-compass mentis, really. Yeah. Um, so yeah, fairly somber. Yeah. Um, Except Peter Quill, who certainly was so uh, wasn't sober. No, he wasn't. Um, and but then we have this flash of a, an attack as Adam Warlock comes steaming in, mm-hmm. uh, going straight for rockets. Yeah. Um, so yeah, 
Interesting. Yeah, and, and fighting his way through the rest of the Guardians on, on his way to Rocket as well. He had a, a great moment versus um, Drax. He has a great yeah. moment versus uh, Gamora. Um, I love how Gamora sort of reconfigures herself after being sort of beaten out of shape mm-hmm. by Adam Warlock. Really, yeah. like, love that visual. Absolutely, yeah. Really, really cool how that's, uh, how that's seen on screen. But um here's our introduction to will poulter this character has been talked about for a very long time this was in the post-credit scene from from guardians volume 2 the introduction of adam warlock and will poulter an actor that we both really like yeah uh, been watching his career right back from when he was in uh, son of rambo yeah and i've really enjoyed him since then and here he is in the mcu playing what we probably thought was going to be the big villain of the movie absolutely yeah a big villain of the movie mm-hmm. and certainly like I don't know anything about Adam Warlock, okay. um, even yep. as a, a comic creator. Mm-hmm. I, I just really, maybe there's been a few comics where he's crossed over into them. Right. Um, but ultimately, I really don't know uh, an, a huge amount about Adam Warlock, but I've always taken him as quite a serious right. um, character. character. You yeah. know, he is pretty much indestructible. Mm-hmm. Um, Warlock tends to add this notion of being a strategic fighter mm-hmm. and so on. Certainly for the Sovereign, um, that's his role yeah. um, as this kind of vanguard in, in, in battle. Mm-hmm. And you certainly get that sense as well here as he attacks Noah in order to claim Groot. Yeah. But um, I kind of was surprised then that as the film unfolded, he was almost a bit of a, a a bumbling sort of nonplussed type of mm-hmm. uh, person. Now, I actually really loved this. Uh, I really think it speaks to probably James Gunn's sensibility of taking such a powerful character uh-huh. and actually making him a little bit stupid yeah. um, and really kind of just certainly ha- has no agency. He's just really being ordered around and controlled by the high priestess to begin with, but also on the grander scale of things and in relation to this attack um, by the high evolutionary who created the sovereign. Exactly. Yeah. And and as we learn, the sovereign is saying that he created them as beautiful idiots, basically. They're, they're gorgeous, amazing looking people, but they're not very smart. And then they created Adam Warlock, took him out too early um, they took him out yeah. much earlier on, so he is not fully developed. So that's why he's a little bit uh, behind the times, doesn't have much knowledge of of the world. But then directed this weapon to go and get yeah. uh, go and get rockets. So he's not making all the right decisions, and he, he he's kind of a, a, a newbie in this uh, in this galaxy or in this world as well. So, well, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I do love when they have captured one of the ravagers in order for them to try and find Rocket because they feel that will after effectively the failure of adam warlock to to capture rocket here because of nebula's intervention mm-hmm. um kind of he heads off licking his wounds goes actually that hurt yeah. um you know the the big Swords. blaze yeah. from from nebula yeah but they're now kind of scrambling the sovereign because the high evolutionary will be really annoyed with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of just like that when they capture one of the ravagers and they're going to try and find out where they are and in order to get rocket and get back into the good books of the high evolutionary, mm-hmm. 
Um, I just love the fact that says, you know, make him talk, and he just incinerates uh, <laughs> the the ravager, yeah. and only for the the grace of God or the high evolutionary, um, there is the the comms unit that they know, you know, they hear the Gamora trying to get um rescued off the the guardian ship but yeah. i just love the fact that he just he, again he's so powerful mm-hmm. maybe he doesn't have full control of it but he just you know on the order of to, to try and sort of loosen him up to show make them, him show talk. them we mean business yeah and um, he effectively just incinerates this ravager yeah. who is you know a hilarious pile of uh of bones and um, <laughs> with charred clothes still on so absolutely i actually really you know just coming back to adam warlock i loved how this played out with adam warlock Mm -hmm. i mean it took me a while just to get over the fact that he wasn't what i was expecting in in any way but i actually really like the arc and i'm really pleased that he is in the guardians do you know interestingly it's not what i expected from the character of adam warlock but it is kind of what I expect from the actor Will Poulter. Well, absolutely. There were he, times when I'm going. I'm not. I'm not saying he doesn't have range, but I've seen him in lots of things now, and this is the kind of character he plays—a kind of a lovable idiot. Sometimes uh, he's been in the Meet the Millers. He was in uh, the remake of of um, National Lampoon's Vacation as well. So he's that kind of guy that you're that kind of falls through a little bit, makes lots of mistakes, and that's not what I was expecting in Adam Warlock. No, but exactly. it works very well for Will Poulter. It does. Um, yeah. I mean, Will Poulter does have range. I mean, in the sense, does. like he did Detroit, which was really good. That was very good, um, yeah. and loved him in that because. Yeah. It was so different, but this is certainly in his wheelhouse, mm-hmm. and he's very, very good at it. And it, yeah. you're right; it is that lovable character that you might not actually love too much, but in the end, kind of, you know, gets you back on side. And I yeah. think that's ultimately what happened uh, here to uh, the arc of this character. Yeah. Certainly with Groot saving him, which mm-hmm. I thought was a really, really good touch it was um, everybody you know, deserves a second chance. exactly I, I really enjoyed again it's like with most of uh the guardians of the galaxy for me the whole sentiment behind these movies i just really really enjoy and yeah. that is part of it uh for me absolutely and and this this moment really sets up the whole movie um and in a way this movie feels a little bit smaller than the previous movies. This is a movie about the Guardians saving one of their own. Um, Rocket is on his back here. He's about to die because there's a kill switch inside him, which means they can't uh, help him. They can't cure him and fix fix the damage that's been done by Adam Warlock. So um, they're yeah. now on a mission to save save him rather than it being a mission of saving the galaxy. It's a mission of saving themselves. But almost. inadvertently, they also saved the galaxy exactly. from a pretty horrendous... Um, antagonist yes, here in the high evolutionary but i think you know to your point we should go on to our point number two which is rocket and friends um here and the i guess the the memories that mm-hmm. are flooding back to rocket as he lies in this catch-22 position of dying from the wound that adam warlock has given him mm-hmm. but also um there being no way of treating it or or helping him recover because there is this um 
proprietary kill switch in order to kill Rocket if he's tampered with, because ultimately he is the high evolutionary's intellectual property. Yeah. And so, um, this, this sequence of going back in time to how Rocket came to be Mm -hmm. was, I think, it was really good for the character. Yeah. Also, hugely, um, is like the island of Dr. Moreau. Yep. Um, you know, fairly creepy, almost felt Toy Story like as well. I was thinking, yes, yeah, well. Sid's house and Toy Story, the, yep. where, where they put all the different elements of toys together. Because that's what James, Dun- James Gunn is doing really well in this movie, is taking things, turning them grotesque, and still making you care about them. Um, yeah. It's something that he does quite well in a lot of his movies. That's kind of his sensibility. He comes from a horror background. He loves that type of thing so he's incorporated it really well into this movie right back from the first uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 the story of Rocket has always been there in the background it always felt like we need to know that story we need to know how Rocket became the person he is why he hates other people why he has such a reaction to people calling him a raccoon um not a trash panda, a raccoon, uh, right the way back from the first one why he steals um people's arms and, and limbs some of this is played out quite well in this in yeah. this backstory we get, but it goes back to the cutest moment. It goes back to him as a baby raccoon in a whole uh, cage full of other raccoons picked out by the High Evolutionary to do his experiments on him. And the big problem for the High Evolutionary here is that he does his work on him, he experiments on him, and he's created a being even more intelligent than him. Um, this being that learns quicker than the high evolutionary can and can solve problems quicker than the high evolutionary can. But during the story, we get to meet the other characters around him, his first family, let's say, um, with the other creatures that are experimented on. Um, And it's it's a lovely moment, but I think knowing where Rocket is and that he is a loner and that he's on his own, I think the first moment I saw these really cute creatures, I was going, uh oh, Poor kids in the audience here, they're going to learn some lessons about death by the end of this movie. Well, absolutely. And, well, death, disfigurement, uh, and all of that. But, I, you know, to your point, it's absolutely the, 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 you know, the imperfect here in Rocket, in Lila, Teeth, and Floor mm-hmm. um, are much more human. Or much more relatable, um, you care for them. I mean, hugely emotional, all mm, of this. Yeah. Um, with, but there's this overriding element of the grotesque, um, about it because of the mechanical arms yep. or the walrus on wheels or uh-huh. the rabbit effectively on spider mechanical legs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's taken the cuteness, um, distorted it. But actually, there's a level of empathy because of the struggle and the horror that they're having to go through exactly. and how they, like, in particular, Lila, but also Teeth and um, Floor, and Floor yeah. how they kind of maintain their integrity around the horrors that are happening mm-hmm. and are being done to them by the High Evolutionary. And, and so, ironically, the most humanoid um, person, the least grotesque, is internally the most grotesque. It's mm-hmm. just barbaric. Um, is just playing with aesthetics ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as much as 
him being um sort of drawn to the intelligence of of, of rocket mm-hmm. it's like they don't look right or they can't do these functions but these functions are kind of basic functions that they do yeah and uh but he's, cre- he's creating he's working with them to create the stepping stones yeah to it's a the perfect, experimentation yeah but he's, he's trying to create this perfect world yeah. it's animal testing yeah and the point is even though they believe they are they could be going to their version of Valhalla, this counter-Earth that he's creating, he was never intending to do that. These were just stepping stones to develop what he wanted to put mm. on uh, counter-Earth. Uh, it's an incredibly brutal moment when Rocket escapes after yeah. using his knowledge to create the key card to get them out of the, the cage um, with all the pieces that he's been gathering. I really like that we have a very Rocket moment uh, when he puts together all of the pieces to create the yeah. key card to get them out of the cage. That feels like the kind of stuff that he's made over the years in the previous movies, all the great weapons that he's created, all the great plans that he's created. It really it, it calls back to all of those. Yeah, and, those we see, really cool and we see Nebula's new arm as well, arm. which uh-huh. is a Rocket invention. Do you think he made that out of uh, the Winter Soldier's arm that, uh, that she stole from him and gave to him as a Christmas present? maybe (laughs) maybe maybe um but it turns into an incredibly brutal moment when he releases lila and uh and tiefs from the other cell and lila is killed by the high evolutionary she's murdered uh right in front of him and then his guards come in and kill the other two kill tiefs and uh, and floor as well so it's a really horrible moment when you think he's using all of his abilities to get them to escape he's done this countless times with the rest of the guardians here he has his own troop his own little family and they're all killed in front of him and that brutality begets more brutality as he rips off the face of the high evolutionary the person that's trying to attain pure perfection here we find out at the end of the movie that he has his own face has been ripped off yeah effectively another pretty gruesome looking scene i know this is a pg-13 movie there are points where it does i think stray into the oh no i brought my kids along to this I probably should have been a bit more prepared. Uh, I don't have any kids, so it's okay for me. But uh, I could feel a little tension in the audience with some of the younger kids that were there. I could feel some of the parents kind of going, "Uh uh-oh, what have we done here? Uh, But... You know, we remember moments like Indiana Jones back in yeah, back in the eighties where we saw melting faces, you know. This is perfect children's movie from my point of yeah. view. Um because it really has a message. Mm-hmm. It and, and adults as well, you know, it, it it's like Toy Story. It covers and crosses all that whole spectrum. Yeah. Um, and you're right, it, it there are some moments where you just say, Oh well, will this be okay for, for children? You know, a lot of the time, as you say, we're talking like seven years since the release of all mm-hmm. of these. So, if you know, it's also kids growing up with these movies. Absolutely. So they could be 17 if they were 10 back when they watched the first one. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it is a bit difficult to watch sometimes. But I think that's what good movies do. Like you yep. say, with Indiana Jones, you mm-hmm. know, those high... Even Goonies, you know, a high yep. element of gore are, are around them. Can be, absolutely, absolutely. And they shouldn't avoid that. No. But I also don't think it's solely a, a, a children's movie. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and never really has been, I think. Yeah. Um, it, it's mainly because we're seeing cute animals that are disfigured. Yeah. But they've, we've only seen them disfigured, you know? It's, it was only Rocket... Yeah. Uh, initially being picked out as a very young raccoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to say, the animation of these animals, is, or the CGI, is really, really good. It Same is with Cosmo. Yeah. Um, they are 
absolutely spot on as far mm. as I can tell. Yeah. And Cosmo is a very good boy. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. Yes. <laughs> I think that's enough on uh, on Rocket and Friends. Uh, anything else you want to add to that as a as a point? Well, just just the 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 scene where Rocket is dying um, mm-hmm. and is of beginning course, yeah. to sort of weaken and you know go into flatline, and mm-hmm. you have you know the moment of the the the, the white other worlds, mm-hmm. and I'm really glad that the you see Lila, Teeths, and Floor coming back here. Yeah, that moment. Um, as as Rockis is fading, and I just again, it's just a nice sentiment. You know, it's not your time. As then the the code to disable the kill switch yeah. is, is finally getting processed in order for them to be able to use the med packs to save him. Yeah, so absolutely. that was a really nice moment. You know, yeah. um, and I even Lila's sentiment of well, we are in our perfect world. This has got. We're in our world with blue sky, and it's always yeah. blue, and we'll wait for you. So mm-hmm. I kind of really like that. Lovely moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. There is a, a version of heaven, I guess, that's appearing in the MCU there. I guess so. Yeah. 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 Well, it, it felt very much a bit like with... Um, if you say Harry Potter, that's exactly what's on my mind. Uh, well, that's what I was going to say. Harry Potter uh, meeting ha- Dumbledore, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, excellent. Just, yeah. So, yeah, really, um, you know, again... Really good backstory, mm-hmm. you know. You you can see the the essence of Rocket there, but also the brutality as to why he hasn't spoken about it. Yeah, you know, um, because of the 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 loss, the experimentation, uh, and the brutality of the High Evolutionary. Yeah, absolutely. I also just do want to call out. I do love how they all get their names. I think that's uh, I think that's really good. Um. Like Lila chooses her name because she likes the name. Teeths says, well, my teeth are very big. So <laughs> that's my most prominent feature. Floor takes her name because she's sitting on the floor. Yeah. And Rocket takes his name because he wants to explore the galaxy with his friends and sees a rocket go by. So we do get a little moment of, uh, of acknowledgement that he takes his name from that. And as we see later on in the movie for this entire time that we spent with Ro- Rocket Raccoon, when people call him a raccoon, he gets really angry at it. But when he finds out that is actually the species that he was taken from, when he sees that cage and sees the the origin as Earth and raccoon written on it, he takes yeah. on his full title finally as Rocket Raccoon in this movie. So uh, that was really nice to have that kind of close out as we get to the end of the, yeah. at the as we get to the end of the story for for Rocket. Uh, great stuff. Let's move on to our third point, which is the Guardians teaming up with the Ravagers. But more importantly, here. Gamora and Peter meeting back up again. Yes. Yeah. Awkward. <laughs> Just a bit. Just a bit. Yeah. This is a different Gamora. If you, if I like the kind of line that we have uh, from her where she says, you know, I had only just left Thanos. So this is the Gamora that had literally turned on Thanos and then walked away into the galaxy uh, at the end of, of Avengers Endgame. So, um, no real connection with anybody in this group here other no. than her sister. And again, would have known a very different version yeah. of Nebula. So doesn't know anything about the Guardians, doesn't really understand why she would have fallen for somebody like Peter <laughs> um, at all. And the more he tries to impress her, the less she wants anything to do with him. Um, he's trying to get her back, but it's not really her. I kind of like how this story plays out throughout the throughout the movie itself as well, because we have 
her being so reluctant to try and become anything like the Gamora that everybody knows within the Guardians, Gamora being one of the leaders of the Guardians, really back from uh, from the first movie. So um, someone that they all loved and someone that they all respected around, and she's fighting back against that perception of her because that's not her. She never had that time to grow from when she left uh, left Thanos and, and moved into where she is now. So uh, it's it's a really interesting story to to explore, a really great dynamic uh, between the two of them as as main characters in this movie. Yeah, it was actually, and I, I thought it was dealt with really well because I, I was thinking, oh, they're going to somehow get back together. But I like how it ultimately becomes about a mutual respect and exactly. appreciation of, of one another. Yeah. As Gamora is effectively forced against her will to go on this journey to save Rocket. Yeah. But she, you know, as she's there, she sees why they're doing it mm-hmm. and begins to understand why they're doing it and ultimately helps them in the final big battle. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, it ends off with her back, uh, going back uh, to her group, which mm-hmm. is the Ravagers. Yeah. And effectively saying, you know, Peter, I understand you now. Yeah. We're never going to be kind of what you th- thought we were going to be mm-hmm. in terms of, um lovers but you know i get you kind of thing yeah i bet i bet we were fun yeah i I love that line yeah it's a it's a really good emotional beat to leave that story on i don't imagine that we're gonna have um gamora back um in a future guardians movie i can't imagine that we're gonna see this group of guardians back at all in the future so if we're gonna cap off the Peter Quill and Gamora story, I think that was a great way to leave it, uh, where she does understand the group and does understand Groot by the end of the movie. Yeah, I, I really like that gag through uh, through here, uh, for sure. Stop telling me your name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, interesting, James Gunn has said that the scripts that he produces, he will have the lines that, uh, that Groot says in I Am Groot for people who don't understand Groot. And we'll have the real lines in the script for the people that do understand Groot. I think that's really interesting. So Zoe Saldana will will have received scripts that will only have I Am Groot written in there for this for her scenes with them, which I think is a really interesting touch uh, to do it that way, so they can all play it that they don't understand them or do understand them. So, yeah. yeah, no, I mean it, it was it was really uh, I really like that gag. Yeah. I, I must say I, I loved. Uh, Drax and uh, Mantis together. I loved their interplay, and I loved as well with um with Nebula. I mean, there was a really nice sense with these three because, in in a sense, um, certainly with Mantis, Nebula has always felt like an outsider. Mm-hmm. Whilst Mantis is Peter Quill's uh, sister, yeah. Um, it's through a very, you know, convoluted way. It's almost like a stepsister, I would say. Mm, Half-sister. Or half-sister. And, you know, came in in volume two. Mm -hmm. So it's not that they've outsiders, Nebula more, but just kind of, they're apart from the others because Drax is so quirky Mm -hmm. in in terms of, and has no social skills, so he is in a sense, an outsider yeah. of that group, even though he's integral to the group. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's Mantis and, and Nebula, who has actually been fighting the group for most of the the, the volumes yeah. of, of these films. Yeah. Uh, but I liked how this plays, you know, where Nebula, in the end, says, I do understand um, you, Drax, right at the end. You know, you're not yeah. a destroyer. You're a 
father. Yeah. Um, it, you know, and this is after they're both effectively calling him stupid all the way through. I mean, to the point where Mantis is like, forget, <laughs> you yeah. know, as he, you can see that he's taking it to heart, you yeah. know. It really um, hurts him that yeah. she thinks that he's stupid. Um, and that's the thing when Nebula realizes that his benefit is that he was a father until he lost his children and then became the destroyer. And now he's able to go back to much more of his fatherly nature when he's around the kids. She realizes his purpose. She realizes that his purpose should not be Drax the destroyer. It should be Drax the dad. Yeah, as she says, um, I understand you now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you're right. I, mu- I must say this, the story of Nebula throughout this series has been fantastic. Yeah. If you look back on, on where she was at the beginning, um, the antagonist that she was, where she came from, the relationship with Thanos and with Gamora, and now where she is at the end of these movies, where she's developed to as being a proper leader. She's not as serious anymore. She is, um, f- she has found her place, I'd say, uh, by the end of these. Um, and it's so interesting when you think we knew her as, as Karen Gillan from Doctor Who for the seasons that she was on yeah. there, and she was such a lovable character on there. And played this role of Nebula with to perfection, this this vindictive sometimes and very violent character, uh, but a, an abused character. Um, there's yeah. a great moment when when we see the treatment of Rocket and how he came to creation, and you see the reaction from Nebula where she realizes how closely their lives have absolutely, mirrored. and that's why actually Nebula and Rocket have that closer relationship with Mm -hmm. you know that initial attack by adam warlock it's nebula who is racing to protect him is or is the first one to to go after him yeah uh adam warlocks and and yet there is that commonality of having been abused Mm -hmm. and um and and experimented on and tested on so yeah yeah i really really good and I, i think as well it's you know i mean like with, with with Drax, you know, just some really good moments here with that sensibility, which I just find really funny. I mean, I think we'd seen some of them in in the trailers about you know, well, we're going to kill them all, and it's like no, yeah, maybe just a few. <laughs> or what about one really stupid one, one sad one yeah. that nobody likes <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, yeah, just where is like Quill? Would you like a a Zargnut? Uh-huh. Um, and he's like, no, I'm fine, and Mantis is, well, can I have one? I don't have any. Yeah. As he then puts one in his mouth. I mean, it's yeah. just, it, it's really, I just love these social dynamics of, of kind of, I mean, it just feel of, of nerdy, geeky friends that would do that kind of thing, yeah. you know, um, it's almost like playing up to it, really. But yeah. um, Well, that's the, that's the big difference, isn't it, between the, the Guardians and the Avengers. The Guardians are a group of misfits who are almost forced together to save yeah. the galaxy and find their family amongst them. The Avengers are a group of superpower people who need to need to protect the world. It's a very different type of grouping. So Absolutely. that group of misfits that are that become a found family is is what's been central to this to this group since the beginning. Yeah. yeah. So I, I really like those three lines with those three characters as uh-huh. well. And yeah. I think as you say, for Nebula, it also stretches right back uh, to Volume One. Yeah. Uh, as, as much. Well, so same with Drax. I mean, he does understand Jib Jib or Jub Jub. Yes, he does. Uh, so uh, again, it, kids, yeah. with Mantis, she's like, "You understand them?" He says, "Yes, that they're, they're, they're children." Yeah. I, 
and you know, and he starts sort of playing with them and doing the crazy funky dance the, as well. The monkey noises. Yeah. Uh, are, I guess <laughs> monkeys on his home planet are different to monkeys on Earth. <laughs> but still, Absolutely. A, a fun moment, a fun moment. But let us move on to point number four, saving Rocket. We took a little break to uh, to take out our podcast, Charlie, who you may have heard uh, entering the background there, as he often does while we're recording our podcast. But yes, let's get on to point number four, Saving Rocket, which is really the journey of the Guardians throughout this movie. They go through many different places in their quest to save Rocket. First off, going to the Orgoscope. Yes. Yeah, the uh, the planet made of organic material, which looks absolutely disgusting. <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, meeting Nathan Fillion and his guards, who all have organic uh suits that that they're covered in which again probably pretty disgusting to get in and out of at the start and end of of your shift every day i would say so Um, yeah but again we do it's kind of call back to the everything's kind of squidgy everything's very squidgy and not very nice but to kind of call back to the discussion about gamora and peter we also see peter trying to show his skills with women to gamora to see if that might get her to attract him as he tries to infiltrate the orgoscope um, using his wily ways and charms. <laughs> yeah. uh, I thought that was a really fun scene, really, yeah. a, a really, really good uh, moment for Peter to show off um, and to see at the end that he's not as stupid as we think he is. Um, he tells her that he's uh, he wants to just plead his case to the security guards in this facility so that he can get um, Rocket's files and maybe find this way of releasing the kill switch. And it turns out actually he just wants access to the uh, to the uh, central system. And um, so he's not as stupid as we think. Absolutely, he is. Uh, it plays on that a bit. So yeah, it was a good little part of this movie mm-hmm. um, as well, just because it 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 kind of sets up with Gamora and. and- Peter Quill, as you say, yeah. and kind of tries to deal with that. You have some good fun moments here, um, but ultimately it sends them on the way to try and find uh, Thiel, um, who has actually taken that code, the yeah. kill switch code. And you do see him in the background. You yes. see him kind of giving a look to Peter Quill uh, in there. Interesting to see uh, Nico Santos uh, yes. in, in this movie, uh, recognisable for us for uh, for our uh, lockdown watching of uh, of six seasons of Superstore yes. uh, as a main character in there. So it's uh, so great to see him in in the MCU here as well. Uh, but that leads them on the path then because the file has been emptied of this code uh, that leads them on the path to going to Counter Earth. So we get to see this uh, this other version of Earth that uh, the High Evolutionaries yes, created. Yes, apparently this perfect world mm. where they're starting to deal meth. <laughs> uh, the octopus dealing meth yeah. to, uh, to the Which I, I kind of yeah. loved was... You know, Peter Quill sort of when he's in the the ship of the high evolutionary. Mm-hmm. I keep wanting to call it the high executioner, nope. um, but nope. it, the high evolutionary. And he says, "Well, it's so perfect. You've got people. You know, your perfect people are are dealing meth on mm-hmm. the streets, of which is like right. Moving on, you yeah, know, that's it's it. like that's kill switch yeah. for the planet. Yeah, um, and he's got his back up already." You know, there was an intention to do this, but the fact that it's been noticed by an outsider uh, means it just hastens this kill switch of Counter-Earth. But they do manage to escape from this as it is blasting off from uh, Counter-Earth. Yeah. And But I, I love the fact that Nebula, Drax, 
and Mantis ha- have gotten on to try and save them as they jump off. That was good. Yep. Um, yep. I liked how, you know, and then they have to go after uh, the the ship in order to save Nebula, Drax, and Mantis. Yeah. You, you don't you even see them falling out of yeah, or jumping pa- out of the ship past yeah, them? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I thought that was really good. One thing about the about Counter Earth that I thought was a bit weird is this is where they've chosen to put the first f bomb of the MCU. Um, there have been Marvel movies in the past, the ones produced by Sony, uh, the X-Men movies particularly have all had one F word in them, but there's never been one in the MCU before. And they chose it in a scene, in the scene where Nebula's trying to get into the car <laughs> and having trouble getting in. And uh, Peter Quill says, get in the effing car. And I thought that was a really weird moment to do it. If you're going to have the ability to use just one in a movie, they usually do it as a, as a really big moment. Uh, I thought it was going to be Rocket saying, I'm in the Guardians of the Effing Galaxy. I thought that was going to be a moment that you'd that you'd you'd hear it potentially, not Peter Quill in a car and saying it. So I thought that was just a bit of an odd choice. Uh, and it, people did go in, into the movie knowing that there was going to be an f bomb in here. So I thought that was a bit weird. Just wanted to mention it. Uh, but we mentioned Peter, James Gunn's sensibility of creating cute creatures and then killing them off. Um, this entire planet full of cute animals. Um, that we are introduced to and you see them all die in the background yeah. they're all wiped out by high, high evolutionary because this is his plan he will wipe out and kill until he attains perfection um so see again something that you see on screen and you see all these characters nobody escapes nobody hops aboard the guardian's ship and is taken away to safety all those characters that you meet on the planet and help them out in their plan to save rocket they're all gone yeah absolutely mm-hmm. and i mean interestingly it is the in going to save Mantis, Drax, and Nebula, mm-hmm. Rocket is now there to save them, yes. even though they think they're there to save Rocket. And so I, I like how this plays out because I, I thought that Rocket would get sort of brought back to the high evolutionary. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I like that in a sense, it's almost back on his own terms as he confronts the the high evolutionary yes and it's not a trap it's a face off it's a yeah exactly yeah. and but I, I think importantly as well that he says I'm not going to kill you because I'm a guardian of the galaxy and mm-hmm. um, however you know you have all the rest of them jumping in to sort of knock him down and he is consumed by his exploding ship as they make their escape yeah and. Um, but I, I will ca- say that battle worked really well. It, it you know, really did. It, if you contrast it with the battle that we had with Adam Warlock, another very powerful character earlier on in the movie, the reason he's able to beat them is because he's taken them on one by one. And at the end here, we have all of the Guardians working together, using their own abilities together as a group to take out this really powerful uh, creator, or this really powerful villain. So uh, I thought that worked really, really well, seeing all of them use their abilities together once again. I have, I have to say, though, as well, I think, you know, in terms of the high evolutionary, Drukwadi mm-hmm. Awuji, um, I thought was brilliant. You really, you really yeah. want to detest mm-hmm. this character. Yeah. And um, it's kind of pompous in his own self-importance. Definitely. Um, yeah. And, like, I just thought he was superb in creating someone just you know ob- so obscene and so awful mm-hmm. um but with this veneer of you know doing it for a, a grander purpose Absolutely. but actually it ends up where you realize 
his purpose is almost meaningless because, mm-hmm. you know, Rocket's kind of lying to him as he says, you know, I am a guardian of the galaxy, so I'm not going to kill, you know, finish you off. Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, it's not that you were trying to uh, obtain perfection, but it's you couldn't accept uh, things as they are. Absolutely. And it was Loved just really one. good. And yep. I mean, it just encapsulated, it made the put down even more sort of, cutting to the high evolutionary mm-hmm. with this disfigured face as well yeah. from uh, being mauled by by rocket um as a younger raccoon yeah um after all his friends had been killed so i i really kind of i just thought it, it had a huge meaning it had much more impact f- for rocket doing that mm-hmm. uh, and I, I i thought it was excellent yeah, yeah, an excellent character. Really loved every time uh, the High Evolutionary was on screen. I thought, uh, I thought he really did play that real villainous role where he believes in what he's doing. He believes yeah. that what he's doing is right, no matter the cost. But and that's the cost it. is everybody threats movie. And the only so reason he has a thought for Rocket is because Rocket saw the problem with his chamber to do the evolutionary process yeah. you know otherwise none of these test subjects mean anything to yeah. him that's why he can blow up a planet i mean yeah but his resolution really was is... going to be take the brain out of rocket yeah. kill, obviously killing him and kill everybody else in in the group 89 that that's what was going to happen it wasn't that he was going to keep rocket around he was disgusted by the fact that this creature yeah. that he created and he developed was able to solve a problem that he couldn't solve because he believed in himself that he was some form of per- perfection or at least could create perfection so uh yeah re- a really good interesting villain uh, in the movie i really 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 enjoyed him um probably won't see him back given the explosion that I was there unfortunately so. yeah and of course they also managed to free all the children mm-hmm. as well as all the animals and yes. um, i did like the moment as cosmo is creating that bridge between nowhere mm-hmm. and the the ship just that one of the monkeys comes running out and goes straight into one of nowhere's citizens <laughs> faces and starts scratching it uh-huh. cuz it's so panicked yep um you know, just those little touches yeah. I thought were really good. Absolutely. And again, you know, another power of a guardian uh, helping yeah. to save them with Cosmo being able to create this bridge between the two ships. I thought that was really interesting having uh, nowhere come down and having that being used as a ship. It's an entire planet, uh, the former head of a, of a celestial Um being used as this kind of transport ship. I thought that was quite cool. Uh, and we have the redemption of, of Adam Warlock. We mentioned it earlier on, yeah. but him um, being... Um, saved by Groot, in turn has him saving uh, Peter Quill, who absolutely should have died in space. Absolutely, yeah. It does me- echo something from I think the first movie when Gamora saved uh, Peter Quill when he uh, when his um, when he went out into space and started to freeze, and she saved him. I remember at the time watching that scene and going. He's in space quite a long time here. Why isn't he dead? Yeah. This time it seemed like he was in space for another three or four minutes longer. You than have that. it in volume two as well with Yondu oh, yes. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. But anyway, yes. But you yeah. you know, you have you have this scene. I, I think in the first one it, I remember him being out and him putting his mask over. Yeah. Uh so I was so, I was suddenly like, 
surprised that that didn't happen mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Um, I must say I did miss that aesthetic of yeah. Star Lord, uh, but I and, think and it covers Chris Pratt's face yeah. as well. So yeah. But um, I have to say this whole scene initially i was like oh my goodness he's gonna die he is um gonna die here and i thought he had died because his face bloats Mm -hmm. but weirdly i was also trying not to laugh because it was so grotesque what they had done i was like (laughs) that's so weird that they would do that because like with yondu his face stayed the same it just you got the ice crystals and Mm -hmm. i was like what are the is this how disfigured they can make chris pat pratt look um uh-huh. you know in in the final moments as he dies as he and dies, i genuinely yeah. thought he was gonna die and as soon as adam warlock saves him and you have that moment where still kind of semi-bloated he's like you know thanking adam warlock uh-huh. i just couldn't uh-huh. stop did, did laughing cool? yeah. i found it <laughs> actually really darkly hilarious yeah. all the way through i mean to the point where i think once i started laughing at it mm-hmm. i think in the cinema the the people in the row behind me started laughing as well it was like this release of tension because even though you th- because you thought he was dying yeah. and was in fact dead you're like i can't really laugh here exactly. at what they've just done with the bloating <laughs> um and then that he survives it like I can finally laugh at how like ridiculous he looked there, exactly. and how he is trying to speak through mm-hmm. <laughs> through the bloated face that's re- sort of starting to subside. Yeah, uh, I was just like, I, d- I don't know whether that was intended yeah, for sure that to happen, but I must say, I just really did find this sort of faux death scene really, really hilarious. Yeah, James Gunn has a way of making you laugh at things you're not expecting to laugh at, so I think <laughs> yeah. it was intended. I think he knows exactly what he was doing with that scene. Uh, one other redemption that happens, I suppose, or arc that completes, let's say, uh, in in this scene, in the saving of Rocket Seed, is that we have Kraglin saving nowhere. Um, yes. As they're attacked by the minions of uh, the High Evolutionary, he finally learns how to whistle properly and control and guide the weapon that was gifted to him by uh, by Yondu after his death in, in Volume 2. So um, so this is where we get the Yondu uh, cameo. We have um, the return of Yondu telling Kraglin to go with his heart, not with his mind. He's not trying yeah. to control it. He needs to feel it and needs to, uh, needs to step up effectively. So finally we have Kraglin getting almost the superpower to be able to cr- control the weapon of Yandu and take out so many beasts yeah. uh, on the uh, on the planet nowhere. So, yeah, it was, it was a uh, nice little touch having Yandu there for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And great for Kraglin. Yes. Yeah, Kraglin's been uh, been a character right back from the, from the first uh, movie that's always been in the background and has been building I think uh, as we've been going through all of these all of these years it's played by uh, by uh, James Gunn's brother and he is uh, on set he plays Rocket and I think he also plays Groot on set as well. Yeah. So uh, so great to have a moment for him uh, in this movie as well. Excellent stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let us go on to our fifth and final point. Yes. Dog days are over. I think we have to name it after the song because Definitely. the song is so important and the music is so important uh, to the movie. We said about that opening scene with uh, with Creep. Um, there's some great other uh, musical moments, as there always are in James Gunn movies, but here we have the group split. We have this final moment where they're all uh, leaving. You, you mentioned, of course, uh, Gabora going off and returning to the Ravagers and her being welcomed home as a member of the family, yeah. despite what Quill had said to her. Quill had said, 
Gamora, you don't belong with them. You belong with us. We're your family. But she goes back to them. And we realize she does have her own family with the Ravagers. They welcome her back with open arms, uh, including uh, Sylvester Stallone. We didn't talk about it all. Sylvester Stallone returning here to the role he was in 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 volume two. Uh, He's now the leader of the Ravagers, um, but has his moment in this movie here as well. I did feel, though, he was being given a lot of lines that Sylvester Stallone wouldn't traditionally be given. He was given a lot of uh, scientific exposition. Yeah. Um, and I felt there may have been a lot of work done in, in, um, what, post-production? in post-production for, <laughs> for him to re-record the lines because I felt it wasn't matching what he was saying exactly. But they were very difficult lines. I don't think I'd be able to say them uh, either. So no criticism of him there. But uh, but I did feel he may have had to do a lot of work uh, after the filming uh, to do that. But in that, we see Mantis saying, finally, that she's always been led by other people. She's always She was led by ego and whatever he wanted to do. That's how she lived her life up until she met the Guardians. Yeah. Now she's in the Guardians and she's doing what the Guardians wanted to do. But now she's going to go off. And find her own path, find what her purpose in the in in the universe and the galaxy is. So uh, she's the first to leave. Then Quill um, says he wants to return to Earth. So an interesting moment because you're absolutely right. You're going to go and well, he was stolen from Earth as a child, as a twelve year old, um, stolen away from Earth, uh, has spent all the time traveling around the galaxy, and never returned. Never never returned to well, find out it. whether what happened to his family. And it's something that does play through the movie here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that that notion of well do you not want to find out you know what's happened to the people that you've left behind Mm -hmm. you know it's slightly mirroring what happens with rocket in terms of you know his past and so on Uh, and this this kind of is is being brought up you know do you not want to also know how how you know what you left behind in the past and how they have uh changed yeah so yeah um, we also, as I say, my favorite was Drax becoming a dad mm-hmm. to all the rescued children, the jib jibs or the jub jubs. Yeah. Um, I we really need to, thought we that need was... to watch the movie again and definitely yeah. find out whether it's jib jibs. I'm sure or jube jube uh, or jube jube. I think it may have been jube jube. Okay, but yeah, fellow defenders, we only, we watched it once yep. uh, last night, um, late. So uh, yes, uh-huh. not everything uh, is fully clear. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Uh, but also as well, um, you know, I, I like the fact that Nebula is there to, um, you know, be- rebuild, re- you know, repair Noah mm-hmm. um, as the home for for the refugees um, from the high evolutionary ship. Absolutely. And it does feel like she's stepping up into that leadership yeah. role now, right? Because you're almost looking at her going, she's had those moments where she's been guiding the rest of the Guardians to form their group and, you know, telling Peter off when he's doing the wrong thing and telling other people off. And you feel like she could have also stepped up to become the new captain of the Guardians of the Galaxy, but she is taking this leadership role to set up nowhere. And the captaincy, of course, passes to Rocket because that's where he belongs. He is is the new leader of the Guardians of the Galaxy with, of course, Groot forever at his side. Um, So that that is where we leave them. The group that we've been following in the Guardians has now split but we do have two major members left, of course, with Groot and, Groot and Rocket. Yes, uh, there. Luckily, voice actors only need uh, to be involved here. Well, yes, potentially. Yeah, yeah we also have Craglin there mm-hmm. um, as well. Uh, Phyla Vell, which is one of the rescued children, um, as well as Cosmo, yes, uh, being in in the the New Guardians, mm-hmm. and of course. Uh, 
Adam Warlock and his pet as well. Yes. Blurp. Blurp. I do like so, that. Uh, yeah, no, I, I really like seeing uh, them sort of, sort of waiting bef- uh, to, to save uh, a group of a population, a village from a horde of, I guess, pretty nasty uh, creatures that were charging their way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, an interesting one is Philavel, the child uh, who was one of the res- rescued children. There's a connection there with Captain Marvel. Um, the comic book Captain Marvel, she is the, the daughter of the original Captain Marvel, not Carol Danvers. Uh, the, the, that was her father, was the original Captain Marvel. She eventually does become Captain Marvel as well, uh, or a Captain Marvel in the comics. And if you saw her powers, she has got light powers coming out of her hands, similar to uh, Carol Danvers. So, uh, So interesting to see her in there. Obviously, a much younger character there, so uh, I don't think she'll be taking over from uh, Carol Danvers anytime soon. But uh, but interesting to see her as a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. She has been a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy in the comic books as well. So absolutely. Uh, so another formation of of the group in here. And of course, as we said, um, we you know in the in the final post credit scene, uh, we do see um, Quill back on Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, at his, his uh, grandfather's. Do you know, I will say, and I've probably said it on the podcast for those of you who've listened to us over the last nine years, I've probably said it a couple of times before, reunions of family members always get me. I thought going into this movie we were going to lose members of the Guardians of the Galaxy, that people of the major characters were going to die, ones that we spent years with, so I was kind of preparing myself for a moment of emotion at the loss of someone, particularly someone like Rocket, who I love as a character. Um but it was the moment that Peter Quill reunited with his with his grandfather that actually was the one that I had a bit of tears in my eyes. I thought it was a beautifully put together scene where you realise that his grandfather never knew what happened to to Peter after that night. Um, yeah, you know, he may have just thought he ran away and disappeared. You know, he never never knew what happened to him. So, uh, really liked that. But that post credit scene. Uh, where we have him eating cereal for breakfast, moaning about having to mow the neighbor's lawn when there's a perfectly good forty-year-old son that could get off the get off <laughs> and, and come out and, and mow the lawn. Uh, it's a good joke, I think personally, and it's a it's an opinion. Let's let's see what uh, let's see what John thinks. But I think that closing sting of the legendary Star Lord will return is absolutely a joke because this is now Peter's life. Peter's life is moaning about mowing lawns eating cereal with his granddad, uh, who's reading the paper in the morning. That's not the legendary Star-Lord going off on a new adventure. I think it's James Gunn joke. James Gunn, of course, leaving Marvel. He will not be doing Guardians of the Galaxy 4 if there ever is one. So the joke is, this is who you could be following in the future, is Star-Lord sitting at home uh, and occasionally doing chores for the neighbours. His, I think his adventures have ended. I, but of course it's open. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. I, I think there's definitely a good amount of humour behind that. But also the the smart thing about it is that it does actually leave it open. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, why not? Yeah. Of all the characters, probably Peter Quill is the one I didn't want to get a spin-off movie. There's so many great characters in The Guardians. I'm not too excited about seeing uh, Chris Pratt in a in a in another Marvel movie. He's had a lot of success and had a lot of other movies to, uh, to follow up. So uh, I'd love to see more Nebula. I'd love to see more Drax. I'd love to see what Mantis is doing on her uh, on her journey of self-discovery. That'd be cool. And of course, the Guardians themselves, this brand new group of Guardians, of course, I'd love to follow what, uh, what happens with them uh, in the future. But that's it. I think that's everything uh, that we have in our main points uh, for the episode. Uh, one note that I had, just to just to mention it, I thought was really interesting. That final, final scene with uh, Peter's grandfather reading the newspaper did have a headline that said, 
alien abduction Kevin Bacon tells Hall, which is a reference to the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special from uh, from last year. So I uh, thought that was a bit of fun that they yeah, tied that absolutely. in there. Uh, as far as I remember, the way the production worked was this whole movie was finished and then they filmed, edited and put out the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. So it's just a little nod to what happened in there, but uh, but it did film after the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 finished, yeah. even though it took place beforehand. That's how filming works, I guess. Excellent stuff. Uh, well, no notes from myself. Grant. Okay. We're going to take a little other break. At least myself and John are going to take another break. We're going to send it over to hopefully, 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 uh, Chris in Chris's corner to find out what Chris thought of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I think this has worked. Uh, Derek back again with you, and we are jumping over to Chris's corner. Chris, welcome back. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And it's not Chris, it is Floor 2.0. <laughs> nice, nice. I am Floor. Um, we're really sorry for arranging our uh, our recording for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 on your anniversary, but happy anniversary, Chris. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, somehow, I, I did not or could not convince my wife uh, <laughs> that... Guardians, recording a podcast about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which we both really enjoyed, spoilers, mm-hmm. on our anniversary was a good use of my time. So well, You did convince her to go to the cinema the week of your anniversary, so that was pretty good. That's true. <laughs> I, I, I did get it. That it was, exactly. She, she, she loves me and she understands my needs and wants. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why you're married to her, right? Exactly. Good stuff. And that's why she's married to you as well, of course. Anyway, enough of the lovey-dovey uh, stuff. Uh, overall, Chris, uh, did you enjoy Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? Myself and John have obviously th- th- talked about our thoughts, but I'd love to hear your thoughts about it. I absolutely th- th- I think it is the best Guardians of the Galaxy film. Mm-hmm. I mean, just because it bi- it's built on the shoulders of the previous two. Okay. Um, I would go... In descending order, three, one, two. Mm-hmm. In terms of that order, yeah. in terms of the how I what the content, the 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 characters and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is one of the strongest MCU films in the last while. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, and again, it feels I've seen a lot of takes on. Oh, it's the best thing in years. I'm like, hey, Guardian, uh, Black Panther two was quite recently. People remember that? Absolutely. It's yeah. just very short term memories. Shang Chi was an amazing movie very recently as well. Yes, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. It's yeah. just it's. So I think it is definitely one of the strongest in the last while. But it also feels different that it is. It is one of the very few last of the trilogies. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. Like very few have gotten to that point where they told their full story. Yes. Um, like if you think Iron Man, we've got Iron Man, we've got Captain America, kinda. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, now, but see, Captain America's final story was told in Endgame. That's yeah. How I yeah. That's, yeah, that's true. Kind of, whereas if you think Iron Man's story was told across his three, and then the ending of was his told in Endgame, but this is the end of the Guardians of the Galaxy. So, I really just enjoyed. This is this is the end of James Gunn's fingerprint mm-hmm. on the MCU, yeah. and this is his fingerprint of the Guardians of the Galaxy, and I enjoyed what that was, and I enjoyed this film as a film by itself. Mm-hmm. I it's a four point five kind of out of five. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a few quibbles, but nothing major, and but overall as a kind of 
capstone to the story of the Guardians of Galaxy is five out of five. Yeah, and I, I think it's really important the way you say that as well, Chris, because it does feel like a trilogy. These, these three movies, you could sit down and watch all three of them. Of course, there's connections to the rest of the MCU, as there always has been in most of these movies, but this one does feel like the third part of a trilogy. You know, a couple of months ago, we just went to the cinema to see the third part of a trilogy, all written and directed by the same person, Peyton Reed, who did the Ant-Man trilogy. But did that feel like the third and final part of a, of a trilogy? Absolutely not. It felt like the third story featuring those characters. This absolutely feels like James Gunn had a purpose, had a, an arc he was going for, and hit it really with this last movie. Yeah. No, I, I, I it's essentially that, and essentially exactly <laughs> that. I believe James Gunn, like you said, he had he had a plan. Mm-hmm. He t- he had some stories in his head that he wanted to talk about. And he's always, he has stated since the beginning of the Guardians of the Galaxy, he wanted to tell a story about Rocket. Exactly. And I think he used this fantastically for, to basically, okay, I'm going to give you everyone what wants. Mm-hmm. Like, the trash panda's origin. Yeah. Yeah, um, I was definitely alluding to it, and I think as as audience members watching the movies, you, I, I think you're intended to look at Rocket and go, "Oh, how did he get to this point? Why is he so angry? Why does he do the things he does? Why is he doesn't like other people? Or how? Why is he only friends with certain types of people? You know?" And I think that was all kind of laying the groundwork for getting to this third part of the trilogy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I um I recently rewatched Slither. Mm-hmm. James, movie. one of James Gunn's first iconic films mm-hmm. um outside of trauma um if you, <laughs> if you like trauma yeah um but for me this was like probably one of her it's where i got to know james Gunn. exactly um and you can see that he has a very particular style mm-hmm. and a very particular um fingerprint uh, be it directorial edit and more I, in this space i talk about the writing and like how he sets scenes mm-hmm. um and I, I I feel with this he I again I, I suppose I just grew to like James Gunn as a as a as a writer and a director. Mm-hmm. Um and I think it then it has the way that he writes a scene and the way he talks about his characters very much feels to me that is what the Guardians of the Galaxy is, or I should say was. Yeah. Because the Guardians of the Galaxy is like the Avengers. In the comic books, mm-hmm. in that the roster consistently changes. Exactly. Yeah. Like there has been many, like Venom, Iron Man have right. been Guardians of the Galaxy. I did not um, know that, but yeah, it both makes of them sense, have been Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, <laughs> like there are many, many. Um, but again, this is the MCU version, and I'm glad now they they end on this with, "Hey, look, the Guardians are now under Rocket because Rocket always said he was the leader. Mm-hmm. He is the leader." Um, but I also like the fact that everyone thought someone would die. Yes. Like, I I went into this assuming Rocket or probably Star-Lord, mm-hmm. Chris Pratt, would go, would be no more. May, at least Drax, because Dave Bautista has publicly said, yeah. he's like, I'm kind of, yeah, I, I'm happy I'm done with the MCU, with my story with Drax and... And James Gunn goes, I'm going to go, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like He's kind of not in any malcontent type of e- sadistic way. He's just like, I've done my th- like multiple films. 
I'm kind of I'm happy to move on to other things. Well, he's ready to move on to his Oscar-winning stuff or his award-winning stuff, yes. as, as 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 he's talked about. He's he's ready to move on to dramas and move on to a different phase in his life, not playing these movie roles in in blockbusters. But also the fact that the first movie ended with the death of Groot. You yeah. know, the the uh, second movie ended with the death of Yondu. You know, so you would expect the third part of the movie would also have the death of a major guardian, right? Of a major character that's that's central to the story, and it was all leading to Rocket dying. Um, there, we we talked about it on the main uh, portion of the podcast that there are scenes throughout where you see where they could have killed off a character. Um, there's definitely a moment where Star Lord could have died. There's definitely a moment where they could have actually killed Rocket or had him die uh, during the movie itself, but. Uh, but no, none of, none of the major cast uh, are gone. We have a moment where they all leave and, and go their separate ways. And we still have th- a new Guardians and we have everybody off in their separate, yeah. in their separate directions. So, yeah. I don't, I, I think we may see the new Guardians in the future. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they could easily bring them in for another, for the Secret Wars. Yeah. Um, at, like, they are now, but I don't think we're ever going to get the new, the all new Guardians of the Galaxy. Like like okay. a film called that, or like, or they're not going to do a volume for, like that is this portion mm-hmm. is done. I very much feel so. I'm less definitive uh, than you on that. I'd say we'll, we may get a Guardians of the Galaxy four, a Guardians of the Galaxy volume four from James Gunn is definitely off the cards. That's about all yeah. I could say. Uh, but I could I could see them doing a fourth Guardians movie with this cast and maybe bringing in other characters from the universe to bring out that roster. Maybe getting in a Miss Marvel or a Captain Marvel or some other. Uh, spacey character uh, within the universe in there. Yeah. See the the one that the the one that I think they they they're teeing up is Nova. They talk mm-hmm. about publicly. They're thinking about a Nova and doing a Nova Nova Corpse. Right. I think that's our that's your backdoor guardian mm-hmm. because Nova and the guard uh, the guardians kind of play together in that cosmic yeah, universe. Yeah. So and the, no- the Nova that- Corps was very central to the first movie, so yes. there is a connection there already. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I don't know. Like we may get a, it's like we uh, we may get another Guardians film, but it will be essentially about Nova. Mm-hmm. Nova it will be under him, similar to like Iron Man was in Spider Man Homecoming, right? Yeah, and play a big part. Yeah, like that's how I could see you could get the Guardians. It would be a Nova film, but all the Guardians are there, right. type of thing. I just think, I don't think it doesn't feel like the end. It feels like. A pause for that part right now yeah. while they want to figure out what they will do with these characters. Yeah. But they've left them on the chessboard in ways that allow us to imagine that they're still going on. They're, yeah. they're having their adventures. Exactly. Um, very much. But overall, I really, really enjoyed how this was put together. The emotional beats. And the one thing I'll say about James Gunn, when he delivers those emotional moments mm-hmm. so he usually uses like those pin drop musical numbers right um and he usually needle that's drop, for yeah. his his kind of the, the 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 needle drops and you're like oh mm-hmm. that was perfect yeah i didn't feel that much in this one as okay. as much as i did in the previous right like right. like he uses them for more uh in this the music is used as uh, an accompaniment or um, kind of a, a, a point in this mm-hmm. in the, uh, as a thing, but it wasn't used as like 
it's like literally that last song that plays the, the the original song from the very first one where Star Lord is sticking around, and then you see Rocket play it as well. Mm-hmm. That in this one is used as a callback to the exactly. very first because the Guardians. Yeah. It's like yeah. it's, it brings it all back. Like like he underpins the melancholy of the movie itself by starting it with the acoustic version of Radiohead's Creep, which I mistakenly just for those uh, who like to uh, f- to find things that I've done wrong. Uh, what I said earlier on was that that was a B side of um, Fake Plastic Trees. I think it's the B side of My My Iron Lung. Just for those uh, oh, that may have may have caught me on that one, so I can correct myself. But that's that's show- that is showing the melancholy that's in yes. the movie. You know the needle drops that were in there from the seventies music that he was using in the previous movies. Those are moments where you're going, "Oh, great, we have a big exciting space yes. opera here." That's not this movie, but he does use a great needle drop with Florence and the Machines. Dog days are over at the end. Like that is a big yes. moment where there's a big joyful moment, even though we have the end of the Guardians and they're going their separate ways. The people on Nowhere and the new Guardians are able to have a moment of freedom, and that's really well underscored by Dog Days Are Over. I agree. I like for me though, it's not the same as the battle from the beginning of the the opening credits of Volume Two. Absolutely, for example. Yeah, yeah. And again, I think. They're just different uses of mm-hmm. music. Yep. And like for me, this whole film, you we call that this whole film starts with somber melancholy and he didn't need it. He didn't need the music to yeah. kind of also of like the the scenes with the the, the animal four, like mm-hmm. Rocket's OG family. Yep. Teefs and Floor and Lila, like Every single one of those play on your heartstrings Absolutely. until they snap them. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I went in with a hormonal pregnant wife <laughs> who bawled at multiple points of this, uh-huh. and at that ending points with teeth and with floor, you're like them being shot down, and then you not knowing until the camera pans back. It's just ah. Oh. I know. Multiple. Yeah. Multiple. And, like, again, we've seen, like, with Avatar 2, when you see the animal dying in Avatar 2, you're like, they're going hard for these. Like, the directors have, like, we figured it out. The writers, like, we're going to kill some animals and really <laughs> kind of make you bring on the waterworks. There is a lot of people pushing back against this that don't like seeing that in movies. Um, as, as John and myself contested, this is something that I think needs to be in these types of movies. You know, a safe space for kids to experience these kind yes. of deaths of, of of characters like we had when we were growing up. And if you take all of that out of the experiences, then they don't have a safe environment to to react to those things, right? So, uh, so as, as I think I think John called this the perfect kids movie. So you can have the enjoyment of seeing your favorite characters and also an emotional journey for you yeah. uh, as a kid as well. So uh, and as an adult as well, to be completely honest, um, yeah, yeah, really, really enjoyed those scenes. Any other big scenes that stood out for you from from the movie, Chris? Um, the the end fight where everyone gets a, a punch mm-hmm. and has a second like that f- for me feels perfect culmination of just it was just the camera whipping and it was just them all coming together just as it all played together yeah and just even how they selected it again was just fantastic yeah you, you you played the video game didn't you the guardians of the yes. galaxy video game so that 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 really felt like that moment where all of the team are, are doing their special skills together to to form the the greater whole that are the guardians it's not just 
one person punching and then the next person punching. Everybody is using all their talents to take down the high evolution and his, and his crew. So it, it, that's what it felt like to me in a great yeah. way. Uh, that was that was kind of bringing in why this team works so well together, you know? Yeah. And just as that, as the, the corridor scene leading to that final high evolutionary scene, those two stood out emotionally, uh, sorry, visually fantastically. Additionally, one of the biggest ones is just, again, I bringing back the discussion on the visual effects, mm-hmm. the animals, um, be it the 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 animen, if you want to call them that, the the, the planet of Counter Earth, where like literally it's all prosthetics, mm-hmm. amazing, incredible, absolutely yeah. incredible, and a lot of them were physical, uh, physical kind of almost like Jim Henson styled mm. people in makeup, yeah, um, and then you had actual rocket. And because he was the cent, what he was the main character for this, he was the central character. Yep. The, no like, denying it. Yep. The straight, the camera close-ups on him and his fur, mm-hmm. individually kind of um, animated. You're like, oh, yeah. you really like they knocked it out of the park. And in a, in a, a period where we have had kind of. Places where, to be fair, and again, we've called it out sometimes, where Disney, across multiple properties, have mm-hmm. rushed and berated their anim- their animated departments and kind of enforced where, like, yeah, you they haven't have been amazing. Yeah. They've been great, but they yeah. haven't been amazing. This was masterclass level of stuff. Yeah. So, for me, that was just great. Excellent, excellent. Uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts on the other, uh, the two major new characters uh, in the movie? We've got the High Evolutionary as a villain, and at some times Adam Warlock as a villain in the movie. Yes. What did you think of, the, of those two? So Adam Warlock, I loved the childlike piece on him is right. just fun. Yeah. Again, see, people are like, "Oh, that's not my Adam Warlock." Mm. Um, Adam Warlock, when he first came and was first introduced as him, was. Basically, a mindless child. Okay, yeah. Um, when he, him, and her, that they, they, that that was how they came. Um, and it, it, it's, it's kind of on brand, right? But it was played for a comedic foil mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. Um, so I enjoyed. I like where it was more Adam, where uh, Will Poulter brought it at the end. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. Also, Marvel Labs. <laughs> not fair i did enjoy the michelangelo um kind of a piece where he grabs star lord with the finger mm. um just a fun reference of kind of the kind of adam touching god sistine um, chapel sistine chapel yeah yeah, yeah that yeah. was just a nice silly moment i was like yeah fair. Didn't catch it at all, and as uh, as John described, he was too busy laughing at uh, at the face that was being mushed on uh, Chris Pratt uh, as as he thought he was dying and felt he couldn't laugh at that moment. Um, so he was too busy holding in his laughter to uh, to notice that. So, <laughs> um, I did, speaking of um, kind of physical effects, body that Nebula has to carry of of Chris Pratt of Star Lord mm-hmm. was a real thing that they built that could kind of. Flop up and down that Karen Gillan could carry herself. Yes, that yes, so real. So that if you're on social media, uh-huh. for whichever one you look, look for Chris Pratt or James Gunn or Karen Gillan. They have the photos of the first day it was brought to set. Yeah, 
and it looks fantastic. Excellent, excellent. Um, and th- there's another twist for you. Everybody thought that that was Nebula carrying um, the dead Star-Lord, that that's where he dies. And what you find out is that's her carrying him drunk out of a pub at the beginning of uh, of the movie in nowhere. So it, it kind of, if you are one of those people that is looking at the trailers for insight in what's happening in the movie, in the first three minutes, they told you, forget all the things you think you saw in the trailer. <laughs> there's, a, there's a brand new movie for, for you as well. So, yeah. yeah. No. Um, final two bits. One is the, the sorry, I'm going to say final three bits. One, High Evolutionary. Loved it. Yep. He, he's an actual good, evil character towards mm, like mm. the end. And the, the kind of, it was just, he was a fun character f- to be killed off. <laughs> now, whether he fully killed off, that's the question. Yeah. Like, again. Yeah, he's so good. He's a fantastic role. As we said, he's uh, someone you really dislike as the movie goes on. You really get to hate him, and it's it's such a a well-done performance. Um, So it's something – it's a character I'd love to see back, but I can't imagine how – well, there's always ways. Hey, look, exactly. it's a space opera. Like he's now like half cyber and even more cybernetic type of approach. It's just one eyeball and his brain. Yeah, Uh, exactly. And he, or he's cloned another body. Yeah. Blah 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 blah. Uh, comic books, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, they the one part I will go also somewhat down on mm-hmm. is the continued Gamora Star Lord. Like multiple, 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 multiple times. Okay. I it was just I like where it got to by the end. Right. Like that they kind of. They're okay. He's okay with it, and she's smiling. She's going back to her family, mm-hmm. which is the Ravagers. Yeah, I get. It was just. I think it was by the third Star Lord and Gamora. I get it. Right. I, like, I was like, okay, I get it. I like. We we see how you're like. It's yes, it is annoying. We are. We the audience are even feeling it is annoying. Mm-hmm. I felt it was annoying. Um. So I just. I don't know. It was just I didn't want to see them back together, right? Because yep. I think it opens up Star Wars for other things. Yeah. Um, but overall, like it was just maybe one too many. But that was, <laughs> and, again, and, I'm trying to have a balanced approach. Of course, of course. The counter argument to that is that this is the third part of the trilogy, and yes. all that breakup stuff and the death of Gamora all happened in the Avengers movies. So, um, you got to have him deal with the after effects of what happened and her death and. Her and the return of a Gamara that doesn't know him at all. And um, I, I, the, the the one thing I really liked about the relationship is I hadn't really thought about it until Gamora said, um, I literally had just left Thanos. So she's like, you know, a week or so after leaving Thanos, she's suddenly in a big battle with the Avengers and being told that she's in love with, Chris, with, with Star-Lord. It's like, I don't know who any of you people are. I'm gone. So this is how she's developed being away from Thanos. So yeah. she's a, she is a completely different character. And they nailed yeah. that really well. And yeah, that idea of being, you know, hurt and lost after losing a partner and not knowing how to get them back when there's no possible way that's going to happen. I thought that was actually played quite well in the movie. But I totally understand your point, though. Yeah. I no agree. It was all played great. I just think it was just that one scene too many, because uh, it was played multiple times to mm-hmm. really get the point across. Um. So final point to end, which is I enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. I want to see more, and I think uh, we we may slightly disagree, but I think Chris Pratt's Star Lord will return the same way Black Panther 
will return. He's mm. on Earth now, and I think that's because they're going to make him a more central character for the Kang Dynasty kind of Avenger-level ones. He'll be okay. a core member, because, again, they've left him on off for that. And I think Chris Pat will probably come for that, and then something will happen. Yeah. Because he, he probably will want to go on to other things, but he's there for that, seemingly. And they're already losing one other Chris. Uh, pick pick which other Chris you want, <laughs> and they've lost them, yeah. uh, seemingly. I get to, it's such a shame of all the actors in in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. The idea that Chris Pratt will be the one to return in the in the MCU is such a shame. But um, I, I again, I, I'll repeat, uh, I do think it's a joke. I think it's a James Gunn joke. This look at the legendary Star Lord sitting at a breakfast table and complaining about mowing lawns. Um, I that, think it can yeah. be both. It absolutely can be, and they will exactly. twist it if he does want to come back and uh, and does get paid the big bucks to come back for another MCU movie. They will twist it to say that's what we meant all the time. Yeah, <laughs> but I think exactly. at the moment it, it comes across as a great joke. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah that like exactly it can be that they mm-hmm. set it up so it could be always. But I think that's the kind of fun it's setting up. I think yeah. it gives us the realm of possibility, the cosmos of possibility. Exactly. Because if anyone's never watched it, the the Annihilus. Or the Annihilation event, which was all the cosmic characters in Marvel coming together against Annihilus. Yeah. Yeah. Annihilation, that was it. Yeah. Um, absolutely fantastic. Include the Guardians, it had mm-hmm. Nova, it had Philel, uh, Philel, uh, the young Captain Marvel, uh, who we see is one of the new Guardians. Like, all of them were in it. It was absolutely. So, if you ever want to watch, just check that out do because that mm-hmm. was a fun one but i think it sets up the cosmos in a good way for anything we want to do in this cos the cosmic mcu mm-hmm. um and then it sets up the characters in do you know what if the if james gunn hold dc little dalliance doesn't work out <laughs> it's 100 percent gonna work out it will, but if yeah. it doesn't they it leaves the door open if james Gunn wants to come back yeah he won't come back but if he ever wanted to come back <laughs> he won't come back well, the door is open in fairness, never say never. Remember, the script was written just to to take place after uh, Endgame, wasn't it? This was this was supposed to be a quick follow up to Endgame. Yep. It's been now th- four years since since that movie came out because James Gunn went off and made a movie for DC. He made the Suicide Squad. He came back to Marvel and is going back to DC. I think they've set a precedence here that if he gets any time. Well, even though he is working for DC, that he's allowed to work for Marvel as well. So, uh, well, so he I, is I literally his own CEO or co-CEO mm-hmm. boss. That's true. Uh, That's so true. He can make, he's like, you know what? I'm going to write a clause in. Oh, no. I have to get the boss to sign it. <laughs> it's me. I signed it. Um, <laughs> Good, yeah, stuff. Exactly. Good stuff. Good uh, stuff. Excellent. Any final notes? Any final thoughts uh, before you, we go into our defend, Chris? No. I, I, I just strongly suggest, I think everyone has listening to this has watched it. Uh-huh. Um, I'm welcome. Play yeah. the game. That's my final note. Uh-huh. If you have an Xbox or a PlayStation mm-hmm. 4 or 5 uh, or an Xbox One or a Series X, play it. Yeah. Just, it's on Game Pass as well, I think. I'm not sure. It was on Game Pass for the Xbox. Mm. Um, but if you just it could probably pick it up cheap, yeah. it's a great game. Different type of Guardians of the Galaxy, but still a fantastic game. Yeah. Still got the great banter. Still got some uh, got great fun in it. Yeah, I loved that game. Really enjoyed it. Played it over the course of about about two weeks, I think. So, uh, so a, a good a good uh, filler in after you've uh, after you watch the movie before you go back to the cinema again and watch it watch it a third or fourth time. Good stuff. I guess that does leave us with one thing, Chris. Did that look cool? Do you defend the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three? 
That looks very cool. <laughs> that looks very cool. And I am Groot. We are Groot. We all understand Groot now. Um, that was a fun, that's actually, I should have, that was my note. I should have called out that the fact that we have been around Groot so long, we can understand him. Yes. That was the final line. Oh my God. Yes. Confirmed since I recorded on the podcast that that's what I thought happened, but it has been confirmed by James Gunn. That's, that is exactly what, uh, what, what the meaning of that is. He hasn't said anything other than I am Groot, but uh, we understand him now. Ah, yeah. I, I absolutely defend this. This is still like, the, I talked about it. It's now literally up in the one of the top kind of mcu films for me like top 10 again we're in we're in the high 20s now so mm-hmm. i can say top 10 um do you want to know the I, number chris 28 32nd mcu movie Oof, that's yeah, okay we're yeah. definitely up there so top third uh, yeah <laughs> top third yeah. uh I enjoyed where it is on the shows. I enjoyed how it closed out. I enjoyed the characters. I enjoyed, like, it was just, and I think it's the sum of its part and the sum of its legacy, most mm-hmm. of why I really enjoyed it. But it has the humor, it has the motion, it has the visual effects, and it just has that heart as well mm-hmm. that brings it all perfectly together. And it is a James Gunn film. Oh, yeah. Like, you, yeah. like down to all parts of it. Absolutely. I've already listened to the soundtrack again Excellent. multiple times. Excellent. We're going to have cute characters die. You must watch it. You must watch it. Yeah. That's, that's kind of James Gunn's uh, style, isn't it? <laughs> yep. Um, but overall, I just think like this is definitely a must watch and a must defend. Fantastic. Brilliant stuff. Thanks for that, Chris. Um, I guess you. that's your thoughts. Uh, the Chris's quarter of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Uh, back to uh, myself and John for closing out this episode and some feedback from our wonderful fellow defenders. I'm sure they had great things to say. Always do, Chris. Always do. Speak to you soon, Chris. Bye. Well, thank you, Chris, for those <laughs> uh, those thoughts. Hopefully. Well, that was hopefully Chris's thoughts uh, on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I hope we've been able to record that and pop it in uh, to that section there. If we didn't, that'll be a bit of blank space. Uh, so, uh, so I'm sure... I'll have added that out, out as well. Uh, so only one thing left to do then to wrap up our coverage of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. John, did that look cool? Do you defend Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? It really did look cool. And I do <laughs> defend uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I, I absolutely really enjoyed this this movie. Um, definitely want to go and see it for a second uh, and possibly i would say a third time mm. i really really enjoyed it um i'd give this five rocket rains Ooh. out of five and um, i just love the whole sentiment of this i think it caps off um the trilogy really nicely I- i've always been uh a- a- i guess a-, a silent or quiet fan of the guardians of the galaxy uh, movies here certainly didn't really know anything about them before mm-hmm. and i just really enjoyed how this sort of signed off to be honest i think it had huge amounts of heart huge amounts of emotion and mm-hmm. um, there was the you know some good fun in between uh, a dark and light fun uh, through it uh, i think uh, you know it really had some meaning behind it in terms of rocket and his his cellmates from earlier on, Lila, Teeth, and Floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, just those characters, you know, it, it really, it stung. Um, you know, it was really emotional. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I just loved how, uh, the treatment of the relationship with, uh, Star-Lord and Gamora, just how that resolved itself. Mm-hmm. I, I just really think it packed a really heartfelt punch. Uh, and so I absolutely, uh, do defend, uh, this, uh, this moving. Give it five rocket rains out of five. So Derek, how about yourself? Do you, do you think this looked cool? Um, and do you defend Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? I want to know what that was. What? Do you look cool? <laughs> it was my, um, it was my Nicolas Cage impression. Ah, okay. Very good. Very good. Uh, I, I definitely missed that. Uh, do I defend Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? I do defend it. Um, I, I, I do feel there's a little bit of an editing job that was missed in some moments. I felt some moments hung a bit too long this movie's two and a half hours long and i did feel the length in it a bit more but as you guys know uh, i'm not the biggest fan in our group of the guardians of the galaxy it's a really it's a really well made movie there's lots of very good uh moments in it and lots of very good serious moments you know this movie it feels like a much less jokey movie than we've seen from the other two guardians but that suits my sensibilities more to be honest so um so i did probably like this more than the first two guardians movies um, I think it's a good capper. Uh, I do think there could have been a bit shaved off the movie because there are moments when, yeah. um, when, for example, Rocket seeing the animals on high evolutionary ship where you're going, he's going to save them, of course. And that felt like it was about 10 minutes of Rocket looking at all these animals, go deciding on whether he was going to save them or not. But you know he's going to. So shave that stuff down so you can get a little bit more compact, uh, compact movie. I just felt the length a bit more in this than I was expecting to. Overall, though, really enjoyed it. I'm hoping to go back and see it in the, in the IMAX in the next couple of weeks. Um, I definitely want to see this movie again. It's a, definitely a high point of the Marvel movies uh, that we've seen yeah, over the last couple of definitely. years. Uh, and a great send off for James Gunn and the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Uh, for for the MCU, absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, and also, I think I just want to mention, like, I thought the interesting way that Adam Warlock was brought in. Mm-hmm. I really want to see the new Guardians there. I'm yeah. kind of intrigued by that grouping. If they ever do get another outing, mm-hmm. um, maybe at least in cameo, possibly yeah. in another movie uh, to begin with would be awesome. And I do, again, think that, you know, part of the reason why this felt so heartfelt um, Mm -hmm. because of such a, you know, significant part of it being Rocket's story was because the antagonist for Rocket here in the High Evolutionary, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Bradley Cooper voicing Rocket and that CGI work of Rocket coupled with um, the High Evolutionary and I think the performance of... Traguri Awuji, mm-hmm. um, was just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, when you have that caliber facing off, um, and I guess the work behind the scenes with the CGI, yeah. that just really, uh, made and added that impact, uh, as well. So Absolutely. yeah, really, really good. Great stuff. Let's find out what our fellow defenders thought uh, yeah. of the movie. Let's hop on over to feedback. First up, we got an email in from Coffee and Vodka. Great to hear from you, Coffee and Vodka. I know that you haven't been able to join us for most of the shows that we've been covering this year, so great to have you back for a bit of Marvel. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Coffee and Vodka says, Greetings, fellow evolutionary defenders. Been a while. Hope your time off went well. I'm going to have to watch this one again before deciding if I agree with Twitter about it being the best MCU film. I can say it was a solid story, tightly plotted, well-scripted, and deftly directed. 
Chikuri Awuji's high evolutionary was a perfect villain, eminently despicable. It was nice to see a bad guy whose goals and methods we didn't have to feel conflicted about. Thanos was right. This guy was just a dick. <laughs> can see the potential of comic nerd backlash for the way Adam Warlock was handled. Haven't seen a dumbing down of a character like this since Batman and Robin's Bane. Still, he made for some decent comic relief when not critically wounding Rocket. My initial thoughts that Swall Groot would go down as badly as Suicide Squad's Joker were unfounded, with interest in the story overriding his appearance. Every character had their time to shine, even surprisingly Yondu, in my favourite scene of the movie. All of this a long verbal walk to say I really enjoyed it. It gave all the right feels in the production, somehow both economical and expansive. A decent send-off for our Merry Guardians, although as much as I liked it, I guess I don't need a second viewing after all to choose what's best as I can't see anything toppling the Winter Soldier. Finally, my favourite character had to be Cosmo. Such a good doggy. Who was your favourite character? Four DNA despots, hungover heartbreaks and recuperating raccoons out of five. Peace and take care, coffee and vodka. So let's answer coffee and vodka's uh, question there first, John. Um, who was your favourite character? His was Cosmo in the movie. Who was your favourite character? To be honest, I think for me, uh, and maybe it didn't really come across in in the in uh, what we've just discussed, but it it's Nebula. Um, I really really enjoyed Nebula here. Um, mm-hmm. in terms, like she actually felt like a, a significant linchpin. Um, but I and I loved the arc that she had in this movie. Yeah, let alone across the three and the expanded uh, MCU world. Uh-huh. Um, so it definitely um nebula uh for me but to be honest i think cosmo is, is a great runner-up for me because i mean i was yeah. just so impressed with how they handled this character yeah. um so I, and i really enjoyed uh yeah the whole bad doggy good doggy mm-hmm. aspect was just pitch perfect it worked really me. well yeah it really worked really did. well I'm going to go for the easy option. Uh, Rocket, of course, is my favorite character because it's his movie. It's it's all about Rocket and, and uh, he's so perfect throughout the movie, even as the baby Rocket all the way up to his return. I felt like something was missing in the movie by not having the interplay between Rocket and Peter Quill for, I think it's almost two hours of the two and a half hour movie yeah. that we have Rocket on the slab, effectively. Um, so having him back at the at the end of the movie having that character and his journey and 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 seeing how he came to be the rocket that we know and love from the previous uh, the previous guardians makes him my favorite character so that's an easy choice for me really he is the central character of the movie the movie's all about him so i guess uh, for me it works uh, so he's my favorite character in the movie um coffee Walker says p.s nathan fillion in a tactical fat suit doesn't get much better than that a tactical organic uh, grown fat suit that he has to pull on and off every day after work yeah yeah definitely doesn't get Slash much better vegan. than that oh on the question of whether uh whether this is the best mcu movie i'm obviously in total agree with you coffee Walker. you know my thoughts uh Captain America movies the trilogy is still the best trilogy in the MCU for me and yeah right up there at the top is uh, the Winter Soldier I don't really see anything else beating that uh, in in the future of the MCU so uh, it it will never top that but I think this is quite a high uh, high bar in the Marvel movies I think we're probably talking top 10 for some people yeah definitely and I know lots of people uh, think it is higher than that as well so uh, good stuff thanks Coffee and Vodka Uh, let's pop over to our friend Steve Brown for a voicemail on yeah Hello, TV Podcast Industries. This is Steve. Um, I know it's been a while, guys, but I just walked out of Guardians uh, Volume 3, and wow, uh, I really think they capped it off well. Um, gosh, I'm getting choked up just thinking about it. Uh, so uh, the fact that Rocket was the emotional heart 
Oh, goodness gracious. Um, just really, really good. Can't wait to hear you guys talk about it. Can't wait to podcast on it myself. Can't wait to watch it again and, and see all the things that I missed. But the, the biggest thing for me that I thought was great was the way they choreographed that hallway fight scene at the end that you could definitely see that the guardians were fighting together in a coordinated effort, you know, with, with Groot and Rocket and uh, Nebula and Peter and, and that Gamora was just kind of doing her own, her own thing uh, in that whole fight. So I love just the, the subtlety of that. So uh, anyway, that's uh, just my initial thoughts. I really liked it. Um, Derek, I know it's not your cup of tea maybe, but uh, gosh, I love all the guardians movies anyway. All right. Talk to you later. Thank you so much, Steve. Great to hear from you. Uh-huh. Um, you're absolutely right. Uh, Derek is the the sourpuss of the the podcast group. I am. Uh, I likes am. L- likes his uh, likes his heroes to to be gun wielding head of uh, covert operations. Well, yes, I guess. yes. But I hope my final opinion on this one that it is the best of the Guardian movies. I hope that sways uh, sways those thoughts about me uh, more. And that's why we have more more than one person on the podcast, right? We can't all like everything equally. Uh, so I know John absolutely loved this, and I hope Chris did too. Uh, I'll be talking to him tomorrow, and hopefully that will be in the podcast. So you've already, already heard his thoughts. Ugh, timey-wimey stuff once again. Uh, <laughs> messing with me. Gr- great stuff, though. Thanks so much, Steve. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Really glad you enjoyed it. Uh-huh. And great to hear from you again. Yeah, definitely. Over on Facebook, uh, we have some feedback from our fellow defenders as well. Dan Lee says, I think this was definitely up there as one of the best of the current Marvel crop. I was very surprised everyone made it through, but that's no bad thing. And Star-Lord will return? Yeah, I was really surprised that we didn't lose a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy. It felt like that was what was being set yeah, up definitely. from the start. We thought we're going in this to watch the end of Peter Quill or of Rocket or I even you know. I definitely thought Rocket might not survive. Certainly yeah. when they started doing the heaven uh analogy. Absolutely. Um and then obviously the hilarious uh Star Lord death <laughs> um with the bloating. Uh-huh. Um I was surprised that he came back from that. Um yeah. and I felt even with Drax there was a possibility that Dave Batista was not going to return and they would actually kill him off in this movie. Um, that, the, that that would be a decision that they would make. But no, all our major guardians did survive. Um, not so for all the cute, cuddly animals that they meet along the way. Yes, absolutely. Uh, thanks so much, Dan Lee, for uh, your feedback. Uh, also on Facebook, Ben Rush says, the best Marvel film since Endgame. Actually, I would say it tops it for pure entertainment factor for me. Interesting. If Gunn even gets near this level for a certain uh, gent from Krypton, we are in for something really, really special. Mm. I am Groot. Good stuff, Ben. Uh, Yes, really glad you enjoyed uh, the movie. And I think you're totally right. Uh, I think there's a real um, talent here that is moving to DC. Um, And it'll be interesting to see because Superman... Uh, being very different, I would say, than this ensemble piece. Yeah. Uh, but definitely, you know, I think uh, James Gunn has that ability for sure. Yeah, and that's James Gunn's next movie is, uh, is Superman yeah. Legacy, Mad, is that what it's called? Yeah. Um, it's, his, it's his next movie. It's coming up. He's already written it. It is uh, ready to go uh, into production uh, once they can do that next year. So uh, it will be interesting to see, um, definitely. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, thanks, Ben. Thanks, Ben. Uh, Kathleen Andre says, one of Marvel's darkest movies, but so well done. I wonder if Bradley Cooper would have th- ever thought he was the story all along. 
did not gut me as I thought it might. It was actually a really fun watch. Thanks, Kathleen. Uh, I'm really glad uh, that you weren't gutted uh, by yeah. by this for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I would agree with you. Certainly, there is a real uh, darkness here, mm-hmm. um, especially around the experimentation and testing. Yeah. But also, you know, I I think with effectively planetary genocide from one person as mm-hmm. well. You know, there's some real uh, sort of dark moments in this definitely um and i think uh i think maybe you know feeling gutted it could have certainly happened um to me when or if rocket had actually died at that moment you yeah know, that all this effort had been for vain i mean that would have been a fairly uh ballsy w- uh bit of writing so and uh, i guess producer and executive producer sign off uh-huh. if they did that but Nonetheless, um, you know, I think uh, I definitely thought there were a few moments there that that would uh, that one of them was going to to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I do think James Gunn has said that this has always been Rocket's story. That that's the story he wanted to tell. He he feels he identifies with the character of Rocket more than uh, most of the other characters. So um, so it's kind of him on screen. So uh, it, it is good to see that they do end the story saying. Rocket, it is. This is your story. This is the story you wanted to tell. So that's kind of cool. Excellent stuff. Uh, stuff. Thanks, Kathleen. Yeah, thanks, Kathleen. Steph Burksteller says, This is the first film I've seen at a midnight release, and it definitely didn't disappoint. It felt like every character was given good justice, and the overall writing was such a fantastic tribute. And James Gunn is very much leaving on a high note. Mm -hmm. The flashback scenes with Rocket were so heartbreaking, as well as how Nebula broke down when she realized Rocket was okay. Mm. I also very much appreciated Star-Lord and Gamora's closure without re-establishing a romantic dynamic. Also noteworthy is the F-bomb moment of the MCU. Mm-hmm. The one negative or jarring moment for me was the amount of time it took before Adam stepped in with Quill at the end. It felt like it was dragged out a little too long. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much, Steph. I do know what you mean by that moment with Adam stepping in because just because he had was freezing and the bloating, you had gotten a boarded rescue by Groot as well, Mm -hmm. who, who's uh, sort of roots, froze up going out yeah. there. So I didn't think necessarily Salo was going to, to make that um that as well. Um so I was quite surprised that he did, but it did make it the more funny for it because I have to say <laughs> just the the grotesqueness of it, uh, there was something that was hugely amusing by that. Maybe it's just thinking it was um Chris Pratt, uh, rather than Star Lord, right. sort of taking out the moment, but also when, uh, you know, with still a slightly distorted face, he said, did that look cool? <laughs> I just, you're still laughing at it. Yeah, so I just, later. it was just um, priceless. Um, James Gunn, I think. Absolutely, he does that so well. Uh, thanks so much, Steph. Joel Sharpton says, I think it's by far the best trilogy of Marvel movies. All three in my MCU top 10 and parts two and three are both in my top five. The moments when Peter tells Gamora, I miss you so much. And the moment he hugs his grandfather both made me cry. For anyone who has lost someone or said goodbye too soon, this one is a cathartic joy. Marvel will miss James Gunn even more than we thought. Good stuff. Thanks, Joel. Yeah, thanks, Joel. I, while I don't agree with uh, with um, them being the best trilogy of the Marvel movies, I can see why you'd think that, definitely. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they they are good. They are absolutely yeah, good. All great movies. Um, don't really know whether I thought about which is my best trilogy mm. of the Marvel. Um, I still think it's Iron Man, to be honest. Really? I'm joking. <laughs> no, I'm joking. You like the third one, and you love you love, you love the third one, and you like the first one. Yeah, so the second one's a disaster. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and I love. The Captain America mm-hmm. tr- uh, trilogy, yeah. uh, for and sure, and I like this. I like I like this one, the Ant Man trilogy. No, not so much, um, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'll need to have a bit more of a think about that. The Avengers quadrilogy. No, no. Um, Although they're all they're all great too. Uh, excellent stuff. Thanks, Joel. Yeah, cheers, Joel. Uh, Trevor Green agrees, saying these characters have some of the best arcs, and this ranks as my favorite trilogy in the MCU. Interesting. As someone who has recently gone through separation, mm-hmm. the theme of learning to cope with relationship changes really resonated with me. No real gut punches in this one for me, but lots of moments that really hit the heart. Thanks so much, Trevor, because I think you've just probably nailed it for me as to why I probably would put this as the highest trilogy, if not on par with the Captain America. Okay. Because I do think the relationships between these characters I've really enjoyed um, because the ups and downs have felt really personal mm. as much as being sort of epic or s- super heroic. That uh-huh. um, they're, they're really also as much intimate. And I really, I think when, when a writer director can nail that, even in a non blockbuster action movie, I just, it can really, really connect. And I think uh, you've hit the nail on the head for me there. So thanks, Trevor, for uh, coming in after Joel on that one. Very good. Um, so yeah, good stuff. Thanks, Trevor. Penny Lennox adds, the otter and bunny have already made an appearance in a nightmare. Ooh, oh no. Interesting. Oh no. Oh, no. Sorry to hear that, Penny. Yes. Um, yeah, but understandable that this would, uh, this may cause nightmares. But they are very cute, um, otter and bunny though. I think so. Yeah. Teeths and floor. Poor things. Um, Adrian Johnson says, as I said before, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 really delivers. DC has nothing to worry about. They are in very good hands. I do want to get your reading on Groot's last line. As the Guardians have grown to understand Groot over time, is the movie saying to us, the audience, have also grown after three movies and we understand them now? That's how I read it. Uh, interesting point, Adrian. That's exactly how I read it when I saw, when I saw the movie. Um, we know the species of Groot can only say I am Groot. So similar to in the first movie when he says we are Groot, that's the Guardians understanding him for the first time. All that group around him understanding his intention and um, particularly coupled with that scene with Gamora where yeah. throughout the movie she's been complaining about him just telling her his name. And then at the end she realizes what he's actually saying. I think that moment is saying we as the audience now understand Groot when he says I love you guys. Um, so not I am Groot. So um I think it works really well. And in fact, James Gunn has confirmed that that is the correct reading of what's happening there. He's still saying, I am Groot, but we now understand him. Yeah. So it's a lovely moment for us. It as is the audience great well stuff. Close, yeah. out, close out the scene. Great stuff. Yeah. Thanks, Adrian. Thanks, Adrian. Uh, finally, we have some feedback from Richard Blaze. I've always thought Guardians of the Galaxy films were a bit meh. Mm. The characters were interesting, but the stories never went anywhere or they were dragged out too much. However, I do think... Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is probably the best film after Endgame. From beginning to end, there feels real depth to the characters' developments and scenarios they are placed in all have a sense of urgency and danger. 
This has Rocket front and centre and shows that he's the real star of the group, not the second-rate Star-Lord fella. (laughs) Some of the scenes are quite nightmarish. Bunny with spider legs and an iron mouth clamp. WTF. (laughs) But it does try to get the audience to feel uncomfortable about animal cruelty for the benefit of perfection. Mm -hmm. Intrigued if they carry on with the new squad and what a new director will bring to the franchise. This felt very much like they gave James Gunn completely free reign and trusted him to deliver. The color palette is toned down, the music is slightly more obscure, and the story is far more grown up. If this is what he can do with little studio interference, then I'm excited for what he can bring to DC. Absolutely, uh, Richard. Uh, I think uh, this... Whether he got free reign, but you can sense that he would have given absolute clarity i i do think he probably and i guess maybe why he will be that kind of kevin feige type figure at dc i suspect he knows his vision and can pitch it really well Mm -hmm. explain it really well and and the intricacies of it and i i think um you know that as much as anything for a director working in the studio system mm-hmm. must be an absolute priceless gift yeah. to be able to do that um for sure and i think um you know i i think that the threads are coming through you know you can see that the the trilogy has evolved but mm-hmm. i love that at its heart, there are these relationships. I mean, yeah. I would slightly disagree that the other two were met. I mean, I would say of the I'd three. I'd agree, Richard. I know you would. But <laughs> I would say of the three, Volume 2 feel, feels like my weaker one. Right. I just love the introduction of it, um, mm. of, of the group, of the Guardians, yeah. and, and so on. Um, and I, I like, you know, again as well, James Gunn is having to intertwine it into the wider Avengers Endgame and Infinity Stone saga. Yeah. So that's another complexity for a writer, which he's able to handle mm. and, you know, can bring something that felt so standalone, but still have it as part of um, the the wider uh, Infinity Stone saga. Yep. Wider MCU overall. And wider MCU, exactly. Yeah. Great stuff. Thanks so much to everybody who shared their thoughts on our feedback section for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Uh, hopefully you'll join us for some of our future podcasts. Um, this is not the last MCU movie we're going to be watching this year. We will, of course, be going to the cinema for the Marvels later on this year, which I think comes out in November. Uh, very excited to see that. Captain Marvel, uh, Spectrum and Miss Marvel all meeting up together uh, in space and on Earth. Yes. Yeah. Really we will also have uh, Marvel's Secret Invasion with Derek's favourite comic book character, Nick Fury, returning. Mm-hmm. Or is he? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> he is. Nick, Nick Fury is going to be back, played by Samuel Jackson. Really excited to see that. It is my most anticipated show of the year, just because I've loved Nick Fury since I was about 12. So having his own TV show is going to be really, really exciting. Yes. But that's not the only thing we're covering. We're covering lots more this year. Uh, Good Omens Returns announced, it, announced today that it's coming back on for season two on uh, July 28th on Prime Video. So uh, very excited to return to another Neil Gaiman show yes, uh, this year. Um, yeah, we're going to be getting Gen, Gen V, the spin-off of The Boys, later on this year as well. So uh, excited to see that. Yes, there's What If. What If should be out this year. That's not confirmed, though. That That's is made. True. Uh, not confirmed. Uh, Loki season two should be out later this year. Another completed show in Marvel. But 
Of course, to mention, there is a Writers Guild of America strike going on at the moment, which has halted production on some shows that we thought we were going to be getting. We know that uh, Daredevil Born Again has stopped production, which was supposed to be out next year. We don't know exactly what how that will affect the show, how long it could cause a delay for the delivery of Daredevil. But of course, we support the Writers Guild of America. They, they do deserve to be paid for the work that they're doing. So whatever they need to do to get that, uh, to get the, the correct payment for their jobs, uh, I'm happy to, to support that. So whatever is required. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, but fellow defenders, uh, remember to subscribe to tvpodcastindustries.com uh, for all the future content that mm-hmm. will be coming uh, from ourselves. Yeah, and please remember, as always, to share the podcast because sharing the podcast is, of course, sharing, sharing love. the love. I love Indeed. you guys. I love you guys yeah. too. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back very soon with another Marvel movie as well because I forgot to mention one. Spider-Verse. Yes, well, across true. the Spider-Verse oh, gosh, coming out in June. completely forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't, can't forget about that. No. I saw the trailer for it. Yes, Absolutely. it looks fantastic. Looks brilliant. Good stuff. So we'll talk to you again very soon. Yes, thank you, fellow Defenders, for joining us for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Until next time, keep watching, keep listening, and keep defending. And, of course, stay rocking. Bye. Bye. <laughs>